Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is one of those messages that we have to constantly preach because it is very important to the success of the believer. In fact, if you study the life of Jesus when he was on earth, it was the only message Jesus preached. So you can consider Jesus Christ to be the most repetitious preacher that ever existed. From day one, he preached the kingdom of God, and for the three and a half years of his ministry on earth, he preached the kingdom of God. So if Jesus focus on that message and preach it all the time, then it is important that we also focus on it and preach that message. Preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a networking of principles. So it is not any one principle. You cannot be strong in just one area, one principle of the kingdom and claim that the kingdom of God is working in your life. It is a networking of principles. And we did point to the fact that when God gave Moses the commandments on Mount Sinai, he never gave him one command. And the ten that he gave Moses on Sinai that sometimes we focus on are not the only things God requires of us. The kingdom of God is a networking of principles. When Jesus was on earth and taught for the three and a half years of ministry that he taught him, that he ministered, he was teaching multiple things. He was given many principles. And it is important for us to understand that The kingdom of God is not just any one principle. It is a networking of principles. So remember how Zachariah and Elizabeth were walking in all the commandments of God, blameless. But Zechariah made a mistake and opened the door to unbelief in his life. And We know that you can be doing 10 things right, and the one thing that you're not doing right affords the benefits of the 10 things that you're doing right. So God had to silence Zechariah because he could not afford for Zechariah's unbelief to abort what he had been doing right and the purpose of God for their life. And we know the effect of that demon of unbelief, that principle of the kingdom of darkness, that weapon of the kingdom of darkness of unbelief. Jesus himself went into a village to preach one time. And the Bible said he couldn't, Jesus, yes, could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. They shut down the power of God from working because of their unbelief. 
So you can see now why God had to shut up Zachariah. Not because he was trying to punish Zachariah, but he was helping Zachariah to ensure that he did not abort the purpose of God. So I'm saying you can be giving your time, you can be oh worshiping, having devotion and all of that, but if you allow unbelief to circulate in your life, then you would have undermined the kingdom of God in your life. So, the kingdom of God is a networking of principles. And I want to remind you today that the objective, the goal of this, this series is to get the kingdom of God working in your life. And I know, I'm very aware that we're at different levels. So, so maybe it is that it is not working any at all in your life. So you might be at a starter's position, but you may have plateaued on another level. On another level. So like Zechariah, it's not that it wasn't working any at all in Zechariah's life, but it needed to kick into another level. Goal is to get the kingdom of God working in your life. Now, before we can get the kingdom to work in our lives, we first of all have to find the kingdom. So, you know, we can all know that something is good for us, but if we don't get that thing, then it won't affect our lives. So before we can get the kingdom working, we have to find the kingdom. And we are going into some troubled waters too. Because I want to point out that just because you are saved, does not mean that the kingdom of God is working anymore. Because remember now that the kingdom of God is a networking of principles. There are so many people who have asked Jesus to come into their heart and to be the Lord of their life. So they are born again. They are in the kingdom. But the kingdom is not working in them. So we have to go look for the kingdom when you get born again. The kingdom is not something that, that just appears. And we're going to get into this a little later. But you have to seek the kingdom. But before we get there, I want to take some time to establish that even though you are in covenant with God, it does not necessarily mean that the kingdom is working in your life. And the fact that this session is about, this series is about getting the kingdom working in your life, we have to make sure we do what it takes to get the kingdom working in our lives. At the beginning of this year, 
God is not requiring of us to do our best to make sure what he tells us get done. He is requiring of us to do whatever it takes to ensure that the kingdom is working with us. So for some of you it might mean a few hours less sleep. It might mean different things, but your responsibility and what we're after in this session is to get the kingdom working in your life. We're going to start by reading St. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read a number of verses in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, I can tell you from now that we're really heading at verse 33, but it is going to take a while to get there as we read through Matthew. The pretext to Matthew 33 is so very important to the understanding, the conclusion, to really understanding the context. But as we get ready to read Matthew chapter 33, Matthew chapter 6, sorry, I want to remind you that Matthew chapter 6 falls into or is in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the most powerful sermon most exclusive sermon that Jesus taught. It was his first sermon and he covered almost everything in that sermon. And the goal of that sermon was to reintroduce the kingdom of God to man. Because remember that between the Testaments, between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament, there was a period of 400 years of silence when God never spoke to anybody. So, you can imagine that in 400 years of silence, another culture had emerged, or maybe cultures. So, the whole concept of the kingdom was lost on the human race, and already it was waning in the Old Testament. So it wasn't even very, very strong coming to the end of the Old Testament. And then with the 400 years of silence, the concept of the kingdom was lost. So when Jesus came, he set out to reintroduce the kingdom. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that covers the Sermon on the Mount, are three of the most powerful chapters in the Bible. If you're looking for three chapters to read, those are the chapters. And of course, Genesis 1 and 2, which speaks to the kingdom of God and life before sin. Very powerful chapters. So those five chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Genesis 1 and 2, are Chapters you should know if somebody wake you up in the middle of the night because they are powerful with a lot of light and can set your life 
on the course that you ought to be. St. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Now, this is important. Stop there for a moment. Take it, take it. Your grandmother ever said those words to you? Take it, or your parents, some of you are from the old school would have heard those things over and over and over. Take it. That you, you do not do your arms before men to be seen of men. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. Now, I, it caught my attention that he said, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. Which means he's speaking to people who have a relationship with God. Because he is saying to them, if you do your arms to be seen of men, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. So right there, he's speaking to the fact that there is a relationship between the Father in heaven and the community that he was, he, Jesus was speaking to. Jesus was speaking these words. Now, these are not loose words, you know, because when Jesus talks about someone being your father or God being your father, it carries weight. In other places, he said things like, you are of your father, which is the devil. That's a different community being spoken to there. But here, he's saying to them, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven, if you do like the other community. So I'm making the point that he's establishing a relationship right here. He is putting it out there according to the, the text that there is relationship between those he was speaking to the community was speaking to and the Father God in heaven. So, they are covenant people of God. Let's look at verse 2, down to verse 4. Therefore, when thou doest thy arm, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites. You see, he is differentiating the communities that he speaks. So, the hypocrites, he said, hey, don't do like the hypocrites. That means you are different from the hypocrites. And by the way, a hypocrite is someone who say but don't do. They will try to hold you to the letter of the law, but they don't do it. So he said you can't afford to do like them because remember in the kingdom of God, it is about you Acting on the word, doing what God says. Hypocrites don't do that. So, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, we're not talking about reward from your Father which is in heaven here. It's a different kind of reward. Well, just see what Jesus is saying. But when thou doest thine arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine arms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret himself, 
shall reward the open. Who's that father is talking about? God. So he's saying, your father. So we're talking now. Jesus is talking to a community here that is in covenant with God. I want to reinforce that point right this text. And you're going to see right through the text. He's talking to a community that is in fellowship with God, that is in covenant with God. That's very crucial. Let's go from verse 5 down to verse 18. And when thou prays, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the street, that they might may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I trust that's not how you love to pray. Because we are not of that community. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, or to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee open. It's a God that, that, that we serve. So if we're receiving the offering, then you're given the biggest you don't have to be waving it so that, oh, Lord. No, nobody has to see it. That's not how God operates. Um, you don't have to come testify. You know, the Lord told me last week to go down the road to my neighbor and to give her some ideas. And when I got down there, she had no food. And I'm so happy that I obeyed God. Please keep quiet. That's not. How it should be. In fact, the Bible says if you behave that way, you're like hypocrites. Just by the story the other day, and I heard a guy complaining. Went to the paymaster. Young man said he doesn't know how long he's going to stay in church because he can't pay the church people. He's talking to another lady. And my ears, you know, heard the conversation. <laughs> but the lady asked him, what? What's happening? He said, Lady in the church gave him a pair of shoes because, you know, his was going and all of that. Then she came to church and a group of people, look at the shoes that I gave you. Wow, it fits you good. They have some like, and she carried on and he said he wanted to take off the shoe. You remember? I am saying to you that that's what God is speaking to you. He said, if you do it that way, you're like the hypocrites. He said, hey, do it in secret, and your father will see it in secret, will reward you openly. So when you pray, use not vain repetitions just to make a prayer long, as the Eden do, for they think that they will be heard for their much speaking. But he, be ye not therefore like unto them. For your father, your father, knoweth what things he have need of before you ask him. He knows what need you have before you ask him. Now, I've always known this prayer and read this, but when I got to verse 9, he said, after this manner, you should pray. Now, remember, he's talking to a community of people who are in covenant with God. So, here's how the prayer starts. Our Father, which means... He's talking to the believers, as we would say. This T 
teaching here is not to the world, although they can apply. Well, once you come into relationship with the Lord, it can be applied to the whole world for everybody. But this teaching was to the community of the believers. So he said, when you pray, say, Oh, Father, what? Just in case you miss it, we're talking about some father in Rome or somewhere else. He said, Oh, Father, which are in heaven. That's the Father we're talking about. Holy is your name. And the prayer continues. Let's jump down to verse 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or man. Same thing. Verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, the body more than raiment? Before we read on, I submit to you this morning that the response of the natural mind so that statement, if you're really honest, that you should take no thought for your life and all of that, the response to that statement is that it is easier said than done. I don't know anybody that has not been guilty of this at some point or the other. Take no thought for your life. I submit to you that this cannot be done just as a born-again Christian. This is a result of finding the kingdom. It is only possible to live this scripture by finding the kingdom. I mean, you can ask any one of these ladies about taking no thought for what you shall wear. They have a wedding to go next week and they have a closet full of clothes and they don't have anything to wear. I'm just telling you about this. Take no thought what you shall wear. Is this for real? I am saying it is impossible just as a born again believer to fulfill that. It is a result of finding the kingdom that this will come into focus. And I'll get Onto that a little bit more, but it says, Behold the forms of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his patch? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon is all in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So yes, Father God, yeah, I get it. Honestly, I understand that the flowers don't have to think about being adorned when the oh they're going to you know be outfitted and all that kind of stuff. And he said, just Think about it for one moment. If they don't have to think about it, and you are so much more important, why do you think I will take care of you? And say, I, I know, I know, yes, Lord, okay, I repent, I get it. But, oh, come Saturday, 
So Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these, but yet it, it's a challenge. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith, O ye of little faith? And to be honest with you, some men have those issues too. You know, sometimes you're going through the passage of life and it's not the best and you might have really very limited clothing. And no, it jumps in your mind. So he says in verse 30, I think that's about 31, 30. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall he eat or what shall he drink? Or where God shall you be clothed? For all these Things do the Gentiles see. First thirty. Oh, this is very important. He said, "All these things do the Gentiles see." The word "Gentile" there means sinner or outcast. This is again reinforcing the point that God is speaking to a community of believers, people who are in covenant with Him, because He said, "After." These things do the sinners, the people who have no covenant with me, see as a Gentile. So, for example, you remember that story with the Syrophoenician woman? She was a Gentile. So when she came for healing for her daughter, that is why Jesus would say to her, I cannot take the children's bread. In other words, the people that I'm in covenant with, I can't take their bread and give to those who are not in covenant. That's what he was saying. So when it speaks to Gentiles, that's what it is speaking to. So it says, after these things do the Gentiles seek. And God is saying, it is very important that you understand that God has you covered. All these things to the Gentiles see, but look at the next line. For your heavenly father, your heavenly father, God, knoweth that you are need of all these things. Your heavenly father knows that. And then we come to verse 33, the verse that we've been trying to. Now remember, he's speaking to the community of believers coming right now. And here in verse 33, he's telling. The community of believers, those who are in covenant with him, he's not talking to the world. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to people already in covenant with him. He said to them, seek ye first the kingdom. He's telling people who are already in covenant with him to seek the kingdom. Which is the point I was making initially, that it is possible to be born again but not find the kingdom because these people are in covenant with God and he's saying to them seek the kingdom he's calling them people of God talking about praying to your father which is in heaven he linked them to God as their heavenly father and all of that and the same people now that same community he's saying to them seek the first the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter how long you are born again. It doesn't matter which church you go to. 
it is important that you find the kingdom. And the series is about getting the kingdom to work in your life. It's important that you find the kingdom. And the only way that you can find the kingdom is to seek the kingdom. So you cannot sit and be relaxed that, oh, well, you know, already find the kingdom 35 years ago and praise God. No, we all were always seeking the kingdom. And I know that sometimes we'll say things like, well, I already find the kingdom and if Jesus is in the vessel, I can smile at the storm and all these creatures we, we use and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you that Jesus was in the boat when they were fearful to death? He was in the boat. Yes, sir. Certainly not smiling at them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And look at this. And all these things, all of these things, so the clothing, the food, and all of the things that was mentioned earlier, coming up from verse 25, that God knows that you have need of. But it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Bible says, and all these things shall be handed unto you, so that you won't have to worry about them. It is when you find the kingdom that these things will be added to you. So the key is to find the kingdom. Now, seeking the kingdom is very, very important. You can be in covenant with, the, with God, as I said, and don't find the kingdom. But if you find the kingdom, nobody in the world, nowhere at all in the world, has any advantage over you. I don't care what their economy is saying. I don't care what their status is. I am not promising you that you're going to be the richest man in the world. But what I am saying to you is that if you find the kingdom, nobody, nowhere else in the world have any advantage over you. Because one thing is going to be sure, that there will be abundance in your life. That you will have a full supply. According to your assignment, you might not need to have the billions that some people have, but you, you will be well taken care of as it relates to your assignment. So if you find the kingdom, nobody in the world will have any advantage over you. I am suggesting that you seek the kingdom as a matter of priority. As the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. When you find the kingdom of God, there will be fulfillment, there will be peace, you enter into a place of rest. It is not God's intention for you to live your life on earth and not find the kingdom. He wants you to find the kingdom so that you can be all that he intended for you to be. Seeking the kingdom. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seeking is not a one-time activity. Never a one-time activity. Seeking speaks to continuity. So you cannot just seek the kingdom today and back off for the rest of your life. In fact, the word seek here, and the same word is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, when it talks about ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find the word seek here means to seek and keep on seeking. So it speaks to continuity. Seek 
and keep on seeking. So seek the kingdom of God, that means you're going to seek it, you initiate the seeking, and you keep on seeking. Some of you have stopped off in your seeking. You've gotten too busy to seek. What else could you be seeking when you're so busy to seek the kingdom? I think that you have to maybe lay down in your bed, take a time of fasting sometimes, back off, and examine your life. What is it that I have been seeking why I don't have time to seek the kingdom? Seeking is an important principle. It requires persistence. It requires self-will. Your self-will has kicked in for you to really effectively seek because sometimes your flesh don't want to seek the kingdom. But you have to be unrelenting if you're going to find the kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, faith. Let's read that verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we all know that part from over the years. We have heard that in church. It says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. So God is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. And I'm glad it didn't just say seek him, but it says diligently. That really defines seek right there. Because diligently means that you are going to be persistent. You're going to keep going at it. You're going to do it over and over. So God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That ties up back with uh, Matthew 6.33, that if you seek the kingdom, unrelenting seek the kingdom, the full supply, the abundance is going to come to you. Don't get, get distracted along the way and start seeking the abundance. Seek the kingdom and all these things, the abundance and all the needs will be added to you. I challenge you to make the kingdom number one priority in your life. Some of the things that you are struggling with, promise you you wouldn't struggle with them if you diligently seek the kingdom. The things that you're making up noise and fighting others about are sometimes unnecessary. That is a consequence of not seeking the kingdom. So I don't worry about them taking news to the boss or whoever about me because I want you to know that if I'm not working here anymore in this company, something better is on the way because I know the kingdom will leave me in a place of getting worse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This principle of seeking is so important that even the devil himself practices in First Peter, the Bible said, the adversary, the devil, walketh about. Not that walketh about. I mean, you, you understand. It's not just a one-time thing. He don't, don't, doesn't just speak over and see if he could tempt you or whatever. But he walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So even he is seeking, but for the wrong reason. And of course, 
the kingdom of darkness is a flip side of what God does. So it's always going to be wrong. Motives and all of that. But the point here is about getting in the mood of seeking. Some people have built a culture of once something is not working, they don't bother with it. So that attitude of seeking has been lost on some of our people. And especially with the generations of today that love immediate results. That whole attitude of seeking is something that we have to rebuild, that we have to practice, that we have to create a culture in the church for your people. You cannot find the kingdom if you don't seek it. So, how is your seeking? Because of COVID-19, some folks that you're seeking has fallen off terribly. When this is the time that you should be seeking. You see, but when you seek the kingdom, and then you come to church and we say, my life is in you, Lord, my, my hope is in you, and all that, it adds meaning to the thing. But when, when you do that and you're not seeking, it's really empty. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I would agree that many times we as preachers come and exhort people, seek the kingdom. You need to seek the kingdom. But what does seeking the kingdom look like in reality? We never get to that place. So sometimes some people really want to seek the kingdom. But it's like, where do we start? But how do I do that? What does it mean? Does that mean singing harder? What does it look like in reality to seek the kingdom of God? I'm asking you to join us for our next session to understand what it looks like in reality to seek the kingdom of God. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com. Or follow us on Instagram at FCF Mobay and on Facebook at FCF Montego Bay.